Welcome once again to the Grief Observed Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Morrell. If you would like to join me on the show, uh, contact me at griefobservedpodcast at gmail.com. Introduce yourself, tell me about someone that you've lost, and just let me know how you're dealing with your grief. And I'll try to get you on the show to speak about your experience. Um, I'll have the email in the show description in case you missed it. I think we've got a very special show lined up today, and I want to introduce you to our special guest, Jamie. And uh, if you connect with her story today, I'll have her email in the show description as well. So, Jamie, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Oh, I'm okay. How are you? I am doing well, doing well. Um, Seems like winter is finally starting to hit uh, here in Tennessee, so... Um, I'm not sure that yeah. I'm ready for that or not. It's probably already winter where you're at, right? Um, well, it started to try about a couple of weeks ago, but uh, it's all melted and we've been in the double digits again, so it's been nice. <laughs> okay. So tell me tell me a little bit more about yourself. Um, you can tell me as much or as little as you want, where you're at, you know, um, anything about you. Uh, well, I am from Alberta, Canada. Uh in August, I lost my mom uh, to a long battle with cancer. Um, 2016, I lost my dad to the same cancer as my mom passed from. Uh, it's been quite a big struggle, but I'm just trying to keep going day by day. And the grief is actually really kicking my butt. But, you know, it comes in waves. And uh, when those waves hit, they hit you pretty hard. So I'm just I'm trying to learn how to cope with my with my life without my mom and my dad, of course. And it's just it's been a really big struggle, actually. So I just just stay home and I don't really do anything anymore. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you mentioned grief being like waves. I don't know if you heard one of my previous episodes where I spoke about the shipwreck. Were you able to hear that yet? No, I haven't. OK, um, it's actually a reading from Reddit from a guy named G snow. That's his name on there. And he spoke about grief coming in waves and to kind of sum it up for you, it does talk about how, you know, grief at first it's a hundred foot waves and it's hitting you every four seconds. And then as time goes by, those waves will um, still be a hundred feet tall but there's a little bit more time in between the waves and you can kind of catch your breath. And as time goes by even more, those waves start decreasing, maybe 80 foot tall, 60 foot tall, 40 foot tall, um, and more space in between when you can catch your breath and, and live life day by day. Um, so you lost your dad, you said in 2016, is that right? Yes. Okay. Okay. So thinking back to when you first lost your dad, um, compared to where you are today, how would you say that you've, I guess, learned to deal with the grief of just losing your father? Um, well, it was, it was really hard in the very, very beginning, like the first couple of weeks, but I, I became, um, I almost like realized like he's gone. So like I kind of coped with it a lot better because like I didn't live with my dad. My parents were divorced, but, um, 
it was it was just more along like the lines of when I hear country music, then my grief would really hit me really hard because he he sang country music here, and he had his own band with my brother, and he um, it was just when you just hear little things that would trigger me, and then it was just like I I was coming to the realization that's like okay he's gone Jamie you got to just keep going because this is what he would want you to do, and. I just talked to him lots and I think that helped me a lot with uh, losing my dad. I talked to him lots and he, when he taught me how to drive, um, I was, uh, I was watching uh, this lady that was driving beside me and she was getting tailgated pretty bad and I was getting very upset about it for her. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, he just kept telling me, mind your business. It's not your business. And in my car, I hung a picture of me and him like above my visor and Every single time that I want to like get mad at somebody for doing something to somebody else on the road, I always just think to myself, mind your business, mind your business. And I'm like, okay, dad, I got you. And those little talks like that really, really helped me. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the road rage is something you see quite often. So it's, it's kind of a, a good reminder. And, you know, I guess you can still, um, I guess, do you, do you hear your dad's voice when you read that reminder? Like, do you, maybe not literally, I, but you know, just yeah, in I, your mind? Yeah, I definitely can. And I can see his, his, uh, I can almost hear his laugh. Like, cause I was like, mind my business. What do you mean? Mind my business. I said, that is my business. She's beside me. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it's just, and I can hear him laughing in my head all the time. And it's, it's, it's really nice to hear. Yeah, that's great. So Tell me how maybe the loss of your mom has hit you differently than than the loss of your dad. Oh, it it definitely hit me very much harder. Um, it's not that I don't love my dad as much, but I was raised by my mom, and I seen my mom every day. And when she first got diagnosed with cancer seven years ago, um, I, I was with her every single day. Uh, like I'd take her grocery shopping, take her to her chemo appointments or doctor's appointments. Me and my sister always juggled those together, but there wasn't a day that I didn't see my mom. And so like once she was gone, I, I, it took me quite a while to process it. I still think I'm in the middle of processing it. And it, I just, uh, I don't know. The grief is just way, way different. I just feel like I lost a part of me and, Mm -hmm. um, sorry. No, don't be sorry. And um, it's just really hard. Like when I go to get my car, I always turn on my Bluetooth and it's call mom. And mm. I still do that. And that's, uh, I try not to drive as much as I used to because that's what really bugs me. Yeah, the uh, those reminders and sometimes they're, they come out of nowhere sometimes. Sometimes it's yeah. it's that constant reminder and... You know, I feel like our, our phones know too much about us anyway. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, every day mine's like, hey, check the weather. And it's like, how do you know that I want to check the weather? <laughs> yeah. and I guess because I've done it so many mornings in a row, it kind of creates this little pop up. Yeah. So, so your phone actually has a, a Bluetooth reminder of some sort then that says call mom. Is that, no, it's, it's or, just like as soon as, um. I just get in my car because that's always what I did because I, I hate drive I always hate, I hate driving alone. So I'd mm-hmm. always give her a call and I'd always talk to her wherever I was going to. If I was driving to work or if I was just going to the store, I always called her. I talked to her probably 20 times a day. Probably drove her nuts, to be honest. But she would always answer that call. And then she just was always like, 
my guiding angel while I was on the road with me and she just mm. always talked to me and keep me calm and because I, I get really nervous driving in like bad weather or, you know, like, like I said, if I see people tailgating and <laughs> the road rage situation, but yeah. uh, it's, I don't know. It's just, oh, it's hard. <laughs> mm, yeah. I, I, I hate that. And so you've got at least one sister that you've spoken of. Do you have any other siblings? Or? Oh yeah. There's, um, I got, uh, three older sisters and I got a younger brother and a younger sister. Okay. All right. But they're not all my moms. Um, okay. all my dads. <laughs> oh, okay. I got you. I got yeah, you. Me and, uh, my two, two of my older sisters, uh, they, uh, like Dolly, Jody and me, they're my mom. We were, we were my moms. Okay. All right. Um, so with Dolly and Jody, do you feel like you all grieve the same or is it still different? Uh, oh, even it's very within different. The... Okay. Yeah. We are all in different processes and like in different stages of our grief. Like we don't match up whatsoever. Like where like the one day I could be like, I've, I've come to realization today. Like I know mom's gone. Like I got to just stay focused. And while then my one, then my other sister will be having a really, really tough day. And then she tries to reach out, but it's like, Oh, I can't talk about it because I'm, I'm finally having a good day. And then like, it's just, it just seems like we just can't get on the same, on the same wave. And so it's hard to be supportive of each other when you're going through something so differently, but at the same time, it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. And this is something I bring up in counseling a lot that, you know, no two people grieve the same, even, and I always use the sibling thing. Um, I I'm kind of, I've got the, uh, middle child curse. I'm between two girls at that. So, um, luckily we we've never lost our parents. Uh, our, our parents are divorced and, uh, both remarried. So I have four parents really. Yeah. And, Luckily, we've we've never lost a parent, but I know that siblings, even though you you have the same mom, you do grieve differently, and yeah. that just proves an absolute point that you know. Although um, with the human experience, we're all we all will face loss at some point. Um, we we all have a different road, and it's almost a journey that you have to take yourself, and it's. Yeah. It's hard because even if there's people that state, Hey, I'm there for you. I'll, I'll do anything I can for you. It's still a road that you're walking alone. Absolutely. And that's, that's tough. Yeah. Especially like you were talking about, Hey, I, I don't even like to drive alone. I like having someone to talk mm -hmm. me through these things and just kind of be there that, you know, guiding angel, if you will. Yeah. Um, so with a grief experience, walking alone, like what, what do you find that comforts you during this time? Do you have any habits or anything that, um, do you get out in nature or do any outdoor activities to kind of, you know, build in that therapeutic value of, of getting through the grief process? What are you doing? Um, I go on a lot of uh, nature walks. Definitely nature is a big thing that grounds me. Um, especially, um, because my mom just loved flowers and, and plants and she loved watching the trees turn green in the spring. And so like when I, when I go outside and I'm walking around, if I'm upset, I, there, we have this trail area behind our, behind our house here, behind our little town. And I take my dog there quite often and we just walk and walk and I just, it almost feels like it just is peaceful and it calms me. 
Mm-hmm. And um, other than that, I I actually have uh, a teddy bear that I'd bought in my mom a couple of years back for Christmas. She just wanted like a, a body pillow thing to sleep beside her when she wasn't feeling well. Mm-hmm. And so I ordered this bear off Amazon and it was supposed to be body sized and it, it actually was only like uh, maybe two feet long. <laughs> <laughs> and uh was she still she she slept with that thing religiously um every single day or well, every night i mean and uh when she passed away it was in her arms so mm. i i got that bear and when i i feel like i'm drowning i that's i just go lay in my bed and i hold on to it and you know surprisingly it brings me a lot of comfort and it sometimes can make me cry harder sometimes it just makes me stop altogether yeah, that's one thing. I, I know that when we lose someone, I, I think having an object like that, something that still connects us to an individual somehow, um, is kind of like whenever I was doing counseling um, or, or school for counseling, my grandfather would always ask, hey, how's school going? When are you going to be finished? You know, yeah. um it was really nice for him to be involved. Unfortunately, he didn't get to see me graduate. Um, he obviously never saw me become a counselor, but in my office above my degrees, I've got his burial flag as a reminder that, you know, he, he was invested in me. And, and I think just having objects like that, those reminders. And like you said, sometimes they're gentle reminders and sometimes those reminders really dig into our heart and soul. Yeah. Uh, just like this teddy bear, it's, you know, it's got, uh, it's almost like a blessing and a curse at the same time. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Hmm. So here's an odd question, but are there any books, movies, any music or anything that's like particularly, uh, comforting to you or or uh yeah my mom absolutely loved abba so i was, really yeah i was never um a person who enjoyed that music but uh the day the morning that she passed away when we left the hospital i came home and dancing queen was the very first song that i put on my playlist and i probably listened to that song 50 times in a row and I started just dancing around in my bedroom because the one night me and my sister, this was uh, about five years ago, my sister Jody, we were having a couple glasses of wine and my mom wanted us to put on ABBA because she lived with my sister Jody. And so we went out to the garage and we put it on and my mom came out there and sat with us and we were just being silly and dancing around. And that moment when I put it on after she passed away, I just thought, I just remembered the biggest smile on her face when we were dancing and she was laughing at us because she was thinking that we were probably being little boneheads. <laughs> but um, that <laughs> that gave me a lot of comfort the day that she passed was, was that song. And now wow. I listen to it probably three times a week. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, now I'm going to have, uh, take a chance on me stuck in my head. Yeah. My wife did that at the last karaoke party we went to. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, ABBA, that's, that's awesome. Um, you know, and, and it is something that, you know, if you just heard it randomly on the radio, of course, I don't know what station would just randomly play ABBA, (laughs) but, uh, maybe, maybe an older station, you know, but, um, you know, I'm sure that you could just smile when you hear that, you know, even if, if there is, um, kind of that, 
momentarily momentary, I guess, um, emptiness in your heart because yeah. of your mom, but yet you can still have that smile. It's yeah. again, that blessing and curse. There's a yeah. lot of things through the grief process that have kind of dual meaning, um, in life. So, Hmm. Um, are, are there any things that's like surprised you about the grieving process, uh, with your mom? You know, you've, you've already experienced the loss of one parent and now you're doing it again. What surprises you this time? How abandoned I feel. Mm. I feel like um, I was left behind and that she, that they didn't want me anymore. That's how I feel. And it was a really hard pill to swallow when I realized that's, that's how I felt. Um, I couldn't put a word to how I felt. And I, started, I joined a few grief pages on Facebook. And some guy had mentioned that he couldn't believe how abandoned he felt. And right then, it just felt like all the weight of the world on my shoulders. Because I, I just, I'm really good with words. And I just could not figure out the feeling that I was feeling. I could not put it into words. And mm. as soon as I read his comment, I was like, that's, that's it. I, I felt like I almost got punched in the stomach from the realization of how, how much that meant to me. And I... Like my mom, when she became terminal, I thought I came to terms. I knew she was going to pass. I, I was understanding. Like I, I'm a realist. I, I, I know when things are real, but mm-hmm. um, that it wasn't happening for me. And I just, I, it's just like I, I'm still waiting for her to walk in that door to come and get me. And it's really hard. Yeah, you bring up a point that uh, one of our previous guests, Rob, had mentioned. Um, he had lost both of his parents. And, you know, he spoke about being an orphan and, you know, it's not something that you think about in older adult life, but when you lose both of your parents, technically that's, that's what it is, right? It's, um, the difference is, um, I don't know that, well, I guess maybe age, we don't think of it that way. Um, and I can understand to a degree, how you're feeling abandoned, you know, it's, um, and, and I don't know how, how young you are. I never ask a woman how old she is. (laughs) I'm 41. But uh, (laughs) you're, you're 41. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, it still sounds like you're, you're fairly young and I consider 41 young. I'm 48. Um, and to lose both parents at a younger age has to be difficult. Yeah. It, uh, it definitely was like right um, the the year that my dad had passed. We had all decided we were going to take a trip, a family trip to Mexico, his la- a last trip for him, and we had everything booked. And we were like all of my sisters were going, my brother, my stepmom, and we were all we were all just going to go have a family trip before like dad got worse. And it was it was I think it was almost five no not even five weeks. It was about less than a month. He just was, he went, he he actually wanted to um, have a farewell party for himself before he passed away. So we got the family and friends and we rented a big banquet room at a hotel and got him a big comfy chair. And so, because he didn't want people at the hospital um, while he was passing because he just wanted his kids and my stepmom there. And which was understandable. So we, we had that little get together for him and then we were all getting ready to... Uh, 
getting getting all excited and ready to leave for Mexico, and he got put in the hospital um, a few days after his party, and that was September 24th was his party, and then he passed away on the 8th of October. So it was just, it was like, whoa, boom. It was just, he's in the hospital, and then he was just gone. And mm. so me and my sister Jody, we, we like, and my sister Laura, we were sitting there, and uh, we decided we were, we were still going to take that trip. Um, everybody else, um, obviously ha didn't feel the same way as we did, which was absolutely fine. But we decided to take that trip after my dad's funeral. Um, we actually left, um, uh, to the airport right after his funeral <laughs> and we had to fly out the next morning. So we still took that trip and I found that was, um, that was a really, really good thing for us because we got to feel like we have him there with us and that he, he still got to experience that trip because we all went still. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's good. And you know, there, there's, you're making a good point that life moves on. It, it continues even when people we love are not here. Um, I'm curious, like how, how do you navigate the pressure to move on? You know, and I put that in quotations, uh, from others, like, have you had anybody, that has stated, Hey, you just have to move on from this. Now with the trip, that was a choice you made, right? Yep. You, you decided, Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to keep, you know, keep this trip. And it's in a way I can remember dad and, yep. and honor him. But have you had that pressure from others to, to move on with life? Um, yeah, I've been, I have been asked, uh, this was back in September, I um, was having a really rough go, and I got told basically, oh, you're still upset about that? Mm. Um, yeah, I am. I'm going to be upset about it for a long time. And then when I get comments like that, I I get very angry, and then I get really snappish and snarky. And I I know that's that is a form of my grief, but at the same time, it's like, how cruel can somebody be to say that to you? It's like, but then I got to also remember that not everybody has experienced loss, so they don't understand. And they should be very grateful that they don't understand. But it's very hard for me to swallow that pill when, they're, when they say something like that. Because it's like, excuse me? <laughs> I, right, uh, right. It's like, don't ever say that to me again. And I will let you know when I'm not being upset about it. You, you will see physical um, signs that I'm, I am, the time is helping me move on better. And the memories are, are actually doing good for me. But right now when I have, uh, when I think back and I have memories with my mom, they, they're still very painful and they don't cause me any, um, any peace yet, really. I, uh, they're very painful because it's like, oh, I remember this. I, me and mom laughed about this situation. Or if like, there's a, a show that I'm watching, it's like, oh, mom loved the show. And it's usually like, people should be able to smile and think like, Oh, this is just awesome. Like I have this memory, but right now more times than not, it, it still, it breaks my heart a little more because I'm thinking of my mom and she's not here. Hmm. Yeah. That I, I was going to ask you and I'll throw it out there. And if, if you don't want to share that, that's fine. But I was going to ask, you know, is there any particular memory of your mom that is more special than any other? Um, just um, whenever I'd have a bad day, I'd just walk right into her house and 
she'd always sit right beside me and hold my hand and she'd always say oh oh my Jamie or oh my baby girl what am I ever mm, going to do with mm. you she always <laughs> she'd always say that because I always had some sort of something going on <laughs> and it was just mm. like you just need mom right so um well, it sounds like you had a, a good mom then, a very um, active, you know, mother yep. that that really wanted the best for yeah. you. Yeah, uh was very supportive. She supported us all in different ways. And like she wrote us, we found a letter after she passed that she had hidden. And uh, we all got the exact same letter. And what it said was, I want you three to stick together. Please don't be torn apart because mm. you're, you all have severely different personalities and she said but you all you guys have now is you each other so please stick together and it was really hard in the beginning because like we were in such different stages that it just seemed like we would be bickering almost like arguing and bickering and it's like leave me alone right now and it's like well I need you and it's like I can't I can't be there for you and it's it was really hard to admit things like that to your to your sisters that that you just that you want to be there and hold them when they cry when they're having a bad day, but you you just can't some days because you just mm. you don't want to fall apart too because if one is falling apart and then you fall apart then like who's gonna pick us up like it's it's just really hard. Yeah, that's that's a great point, and you know if if somebody's listening to this, I, it wasn't too many podcasts ago that I had mentioned to my friend Rob that. Uh, I, I call that kind of the airplane method. You know, when the oxygen mass drops down in a plane, they state to put it on yourself first, yeah. right? That's not a selfish move, but it's like, I, I have to be healthy enough uh, before I can try to help others. Yeah, and I, I so, say that quite often, actually, because it's, mm-hmm. I, um, I'm not going to be any good to somebody if I'm not being strong too, and I can't show the support that I have to unless I can... 100% get on top of what I'm feeling and, and know how to dictate and what has triggered me and know how to like sit sit back and like take a minute for myself before I can react to something else and um, I'm I'm really quick to react to things and then I like it's never it always seems to be the wrong way to do to, to react because I I get I can get heated really really fast and then once I sit back for like 10 minutes after I have like spout it off or bit somebody's head off, unfortunately, um, then I, I will feel bad. And then I start thinking about, Oh, I should have thought about this before. Like, and then I will go back to that person, call them and apologize or admit that, you know, like, sorry, this is just how I, how I react to things. I don't think first, I I react first and then I think about it. So Mm -hmm. that, that's something big that I'm, I've been trying to work on and, I have never, I've never really put myself first in any positions before. And since my mom has passed away, I have learned I have to put me first right now because um, this, this grief that I am feeling is, I feel like I'm being buried alive or like I said, drowning. And Mm -hmm. I, I have been telling, like I've been saying no to a lot of things that I usually would have said yes to, even if it made me uncomfortable or put me in a position I didn't want to be in. I was, I just, I was, I'm a people pleaser. I always just wanted, I just went with it and just did whatever, as long as somebody else was happy. And I'm not doing that anymore. And I am taking the time for me. And that's very important to me. And 
it's still like when people are like, well, I find that's kind of being selfish. It's like, I really don't care what you think because I need my mental health to be okay before I can, I can do anything for you guys because I, I have to take a step back and I've taken quite a few step backs. Like I uh, used to be a very social person. I used to be like every get together with friends and family and I loved going out for lunches and suppers and I don't do any of that anymore. I, after my day of work, if depending on how my day went, I come home and what I have taken, uh, what has been helping me lots is I started doing crafts and painting and I actually paint wine bottles. Like, um, I can do them like for, um, the Christmas themed or whatever, or Valentine themed. And yeah, I started doing things like that and it keeps me focused and it's, it's, it's actually been very therapeutic for me and I've never done that before. That's awesome. I, I do want to just stop for just a second and commend you on taking um, a big role in your mental health. And, you know, not just because I'm a huge advocate of that, but I think it it's very brave of you to say no. And there's way more power in saying no than there is in saying Absolutely. yes. And a lot of people need to exercise that more during the grief process. Yeah. Um I, I am curious, is there any fear of being misunderstood by others when you do say no or or check out and say, hey, I can't do this right now? Oh yeah, big time. It is it's um I'm I fear like I feel like I'm gonna lose everybody. And I um because mm. I just I, I won't go do anything and it's like, well, I don't want the invites to stop coming, but I feel like they already have. And I feel really lonely and like I don't really have anybody. And I know that's not true, but it's, it's exactly how I feel. Cause it's like, well, I just, I, I need to be alone, but it's at the same time. Sometimes I just wish people would understand, like maybe just show up and check on me anyway. But like, I, I can't admit it out loud to say it in, like until just now, but it's, yeah, the fear, I have huge fear every time I say no, because I'm like, oh, now they're going to be mad at me. And then I get anxiety. My anxiety and panic attacks that I've been having lately are unreal. And see, that feeds into that that thought process, too, about being abandoned, yeah. right? That, okay, now if, if I say no a few times, they're going to stop asking. And I'm just curious if there's a way that maybe you can tell these people that, hey, although I'm not strong enough, don't stop inviting me. Like, this is part of the process, and I need you to be a part of this process with me. Yeah. Um, does that make sense? Yes, it does. Um, I just don't, I don't know how I would go about it yet, but it's, sure. yeah, it's, it's, and I uh, think each individual is different. Each person in your life, um, some will be understanding, some won't. Yeah. And, and that kind of brings me to one thought. There's something called the rule of thirds whenever we're talking about grief and um, you being from Canada, you'll you'll completely love this part. In in my, I, I'll do a grief seminar every once in a while, and I'll put up like a an ice hockey um, arena, and I'll show um, on one third of the ice. You know, I I put that one third of the people in your life absolutely uh, will be helpful and will be there for you. Yeah. That neutral zone there'll be a third of the people that are neither helpful nor hurtful to you. And then there's the last third 
is basically there will be people that are hurtful during your grieving process. Now, here's the thing, though. A lot of those people are not intentionally being hurtful or harmful. Mm -hmm. It's just that their words or their actions prove to be hurtful. Yeah. You know, it's, and I go back to, you know, even at funerals, we, we hear some really, really bad things said, you know, and I think one of the worst things is I know exactly how you feel. No, yes. you don't, you know, and we've yeah. even talked about that. Even, even your own siblings don't know exactly how you feel. Yep. So I don't know. There's, I, I think when it comes to explaining that process, it's going to be different for every person in your life, um, explaining that, Hey, keep those invites coming, keep checking on me. Even if I seem, you know, quote, checked out at the moment, um, keep approaching me. That's part of the healing process. Yep. Hmm. I'm trying to think, uh, I know here we are, we're, we're at the week of Thanksgiving and I know holidays are especially tough. Um, especially right after a loss. But I think it's really important that we still honor um, people that we have lost, especially those recent losses. But how do you approach like creating, say, new traditions or, or rituals in honor of your mother? Have you thought about that? Uh, no, we haven't really thought about that yet. Um, right after, because my mom passed August 13th, um, they her, our, a lot of what the first hit us like boom, 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 because like October 4th was her birthday. She loved Thanksgiving because she was a t turkey fanatic. And uh, so then we got hit with Thanksgiving right after because ours is like the beginning of October. And now that, and then Remembrance Day, she always, she always liked to have her moment of silence for Remembrance Day. And she, so then we, we kind of, she always had to make sure everybody had their poppy and she always would remind like, do you have your poppy? Do you got a poppy? And, and now Christmas will be approaching us. And that it's been a really, a really hard one, uh, for me because we always would get together at my mom's and we'd always make appetizers and we'd set up her tree for her while she sat there and we'd have some Christmas music playing and we'd have the whole family would get together to put her tree up in her decorations and, we haven't, we couldn't do that this year. And this is the first year I think that I haven't decorated a tree in my entire life. <laughs> mm. And I, I haven't put up a decoration. I haven't done anything like it's just, I don't, I don't, I, I'm worried that once I, we get closer to Christmas, it's going to really smack me in the face that like, she's, she's really gone. Mm. And, uh, it doesn't even feel like Christmas is coming. Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel like anything. Like usually by now I am so excited and I'm in the middle of shopping and I've got her out shopping and, or, you know, she'll just give me a list of the things to go find for her. And then we sit at her house and we wrap things and then she likes to hide them around the house. And she always liked to bug the great, her great grandchildren and we'd like to tease them. And it's, I just, I am not prepared for that at all yet. Um, I don't, yeah, Christmas is going to be really hard. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that a person can prepare for those things. Just, yeah. just the same with, you know, it's, I don't think you can prepare for a death. Yeah. I don't think you can prepare for a holiday after someone passes. Yeah. 
I just feel like we just got hit with a lot of the firsts immediately. And uh, like after my dad passed, um, Christmas Eve when we were when we were kids growing up, like Christmas Eve was my dad's time with us, and then we had mom on Christmas Day. So Christmas Eve was was extremely hard in the beginning, and it was just like I just wanted to sleep through it so I didn't have to think about it. And my sister Jody had lost her husband, uh, John, in 2011. And we, I also had like a tradition with him every Christmas Eve that like, cause he worked the oil rigs and he was always gone all the time. And he, so he always, he always had to do his Christmas shopping for my sister and the boys uh, on Christmas Eve. And he'd always pick me up and I'd go with him cause my sister Jody would always have a list that I memorized. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he would know what to buy. <laughs> <laughs> so like, so after he passed away, Christmas Eve was a big hit with me there. And it was, then I still had my dad. So it was like, okay, so it's a, a little of the pain is good because I still got a tradition on Christmas Eve. And now those those traditions are gone and um, we haven't really done any, I haven't really done anything along the lines to, even for them, like John has been gone for a while and like my dad's seven years this year and I really need to get back into something like that. I think in, in honor of them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You, you had spoken of anxiety and panic attacks. Um, what, what are you doing? I guess to, I guess, push back against those. Are you doing anything? Do you have any, uh, coping mechanisms or anything that you're, you're trying to use? Um, I can take, I take medication, um, sometimes depending on how bad it is. Usually, uh, once I start feeling the anxiety, I will, I, uh, will call one of my sisters or my niece Misty and it's, I just try to talk it out and my best friend too, I, I, I bug him unrelentlessly because it's, he, he always like, he's always like, well, do you like want a solution or do you just want me to listen? And like, he always gives me mm. like an option. Like, what do you want me to do here? What do you want me to tell you my advice or do you want my opinion? And he, which is really, really nice. But, um, yeah, let me, let me stop you there. I think that is absolutely perfect. Um, sounds like you've got a really good friend because a lot of people will tell you either what they think is best for you or, uh, what they think you want to hear. Yeah. And here's a person stating, do you need me, you know, like to take action or do you need me just as a shoulder to cry on? Yeah. That that's huge. It is. Um, yeah. It's he's, it's been a big help. And, uh, but yeah, usually when my anxiety and my panic attacks are really, really bad, I, I will call my sister Jody because like she, my, she lives in the same town as me and my other sister, it's harder to just stop by her house because she doesn't live in town. She's about an hour and 40 minutes away. But, um, if I can't get a hold of one, I, I go straight to the other and I can usually, as soon as I hear their voice, it makes me almost have the fall apart really fast. And then as soon as I stop crying, then I know I can, it's, it's going to subside. So they they've been really huge helpers with that just by answering the phone um other than that i will just go to bed i will take a, um my medication and i just go to sleep and try to sleep through it if i can and mm-hmm. uh, other than that my walks help with the anxiety and um hot bubble baths actually with lavender and it really calm my nerves good yeah 
Yeah, I think we've, um, one of the best things in grief is mindfulness. Certainly, you know, using our five senses to kind of re-regulate ourselves, whether it's um, one of my favorite ways to to ground is by using what's called five, four, three, two, one. You know, what are uh, five things that I see? Well, that's pretty easy. Uh, What's four things that I can touch? And it's not just touch with your hands. You know, you feel your clothes against your skin. You feel... You know, um, I always say you feel your butt in the seat or your feet yeah. on the ground, you know. Yeah, the wind um, hitting your face. <laughs> what's that? Or the wind hitting your face. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there you go. You know, things that are touching you. Um, and it's three things that you can hear. And a lot of times if we're not quiet enough, um, we don't hear a lot of stuff, you know. Or, or maybe there's too much noise and we need to just remove ourselves and just concentrate on two or three things. Um, then it's two things that you can smell. My smell has been, uh, ruined after COVID from like 2020. I still can't smell very well. Um, so if, if you can smell, smell two things and then finally, what's one thing that you can taste. So, um, that's just one really good way of, of grounding yourself whenever you're going through some of those, uh, anxiety issues. Um, another great one that I, I mentioned to a lot of my clients is, uh, the colors of the rainbow, Roy G. Biv, right? So, yeah. uh, find something red, then go for something orange, something yellow, and just go point. through all the colors of the rainbow. And it kind of takes your mind off of whatever you're worried about, whatever those fears are. If you go through that and you still are, uh, have an anxiety go back through it again, but this time use different things. It gets progressively harder unless you're maybe driving down the road or um, when I'm doing this in my office with clients, I'm like, this is super easy because I've got a hundred books with all kinds of colors. This is like cheating. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're you know, out in the world, it does get progressively harder, but it kind of takes your mind away from why am I having this anxiety? So... Yeah, I never think of those with myself. Um, my great my great niece Aubrey, she was extremely close to my mom, and the, it was about two days before my mom was passing because then she like she fell asleep and that's she wasn't waking up again. Mm-hmm. And she, we were all by her side, obviously, and I had to bring my my uh, niece Aubrey home. She's nine years old because she couldn't catch her breath and she was having major anxiety. And at that age, that just it breaks my heart that she's she's that that young and she already knows what anxiety is. And so I brought her home and I was trying to get her to do the five four three two one mm-hmm. and um it wasn't it she couldn't concentrate enough for it to to take place for her. So I filled a bowl full of ice and cold water and I dunked her head in it a few times. And like she had control, of course. I wasn't holding her head underwater. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but uh, she found that really helped her. And like when I'm having anxiety, I don't think to do those things for myself. And that's that's something I should I should write down maybe on a mirror. So when I go go in my room and I'm having anxiety, I can remember because it's right there. That's a that rainbow one is a good idea. Yeah, one other thing too, you know, that uh, a lot of my clients have found helpful is 
if if you wear a rubber band on your wrist and then whenever you're you're having those moments just lightly flick your wrist with it you know don't rear back and like <laughs> cause yourself welts or anything but um but just something that just kind of snaps you back to reality you know and and of course my favorite absolutely is just breathe right we don't breathe yeah. properly anyway it's uh it's just something that we I guess take for granted, but breathe in, you know, hold it for a second and then let it go for, you know, a couple more seconds than you actually breathed in. And it's going to, you know, regulate your blood pressure. It's going to uh, bring your pulse level down and it's just really going to bring more oxygen to your brain and just really let you think clearly. Um, Anxiety is just, it's, it is an absolute pain. And, uh, there's a lot of people out there that I don't think have ever experienced anxiety. Yeah. And then whenever it comes to, uh, death and, and someone's passing, if, if they're hit with it, it's like, oh my gosh, what is this? You know, they, they fear death themselves, you know, yeah. that w- what is going on? I've never felt this way before. Um, it's, it's a really scary experience unless you've had it yourself. So yeah, I never had anxiety until my brother-in-law passed away and I realized like after he passed, I I couldn't get words out properly. Like I almost started to stutter. It, mm. I I couldn't I couldn't form a sentence for the life of me to to try to talk about him to uh, I would just start to stutter and I then I would start all of a sudden it's like, "Oh my god, I think I'm I'm oh my goodness, I think I'm having a heart attack." And then I would hyperventilate and then I'd get lightheaded and it was like, I felt like I was going to faint and I I'd never understood what that was. I seriously thought I had heart problems and my doctor, she finally, she was like, well, you're having anxiety and panic attacks. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's that bad. Like, Oh my goodness. I was like, I, I don't know how people live like this. Like it's absolutely horrible. And then it got really, they got really, really bad with my dad. And now I find I'm having an anxiety attack about maybe 12 times a week. I'm having really bad anxiety. And I I, I know when it's going to uh, gonna start. So then that's why I try to reach out to family members. And because like my, my feet will start bouncing and my like I get almost like restless leg syndrome. And it's mm-hmm. like, uh-oh. And then I start chewing on my thumbnails and it's like, oh yeah, the anxiety's coming. It's coming. And then I start tapping my hand on my leg and it's, I get really, really fidgety. And it's like, okay, yeah, I gotta, I gotta call somebody because I'm going, it's not going to end well. And I'm by myself right now. And I don't really feel like getting lightheaded and falling. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times we can work ourselves into anxiety, just yeah. like you stated there that, okay, it's, it's coming, it's coming. And then you know, you tell yourself enough times that it's coming and it does come, right? I'm wondering if there's anything that you could tell yourself that would kind of um, say that, you know what, I'm okay. What do you think? (sighs) Well, maybe one day I just, uh, I don't see that happening anytime soon. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Are there any things that you feel were unresolved with your mom or do you feel like even though she's passed that you all were in a really good place? I, I felt that we were in a good place. Um, I know that she didn't really feel she kept trying to apologize to me and my sisters 
she, in the end, I, she kept saying that she wasn't a good mom and that couldn't have been further from the truth. She was very supportive and loving and sensitive and stubborn too. Like she just had like when you needed her, no matter how mad she was at you, if you, you were in the wrong or if you did something bad, she was beside us through everything. And we never once had to question her love or her faith in us. Um, and it really bugs me that she felt like that when she was passing. Mm. And I just wish that I could have told, told her more that she was a wonderful mom and I couldn't have asked for a better mom. And she just was an absolute angel to us growing up. And she worked really, really hard to make sure that there was always supper on the table because we didn't grow up with a lot of money at all. And, but there was never a day that my mom didn't, she always had a meal at the table. We always sat at the table at supper as a family. And then we were allowed to like go our separate ways. And like, you want to go hang out with your friends, go ahead. But we always came home for supper and we always sat at the kitchen table and it wasn't, we never sat in front of the t TV or nothing. That was just the way we were raised. And I find that those bonding things that she installed in us were, were, it were amazing. And that's what made us so close. And yeah. That's, those are things that are almost unheard of in this day and time. And, and I grew up very similarly and, yeah. um, you know, like you stated, it's, You'd be home at this time, dinner's on the table, and then after dinner, you know, can I be excused? Yeah. Yep. And and this isn't just like leave it to beaver style family, you know. Yep. It's I really wish that life would get back to that. Yep. But, you know, most importantly, um, I, I feel like your mom just talking to you um, in the brief moment that I've had a chance, it sounds like she's raised at least one good kid. I, I don't know about <laughs> your, your siblings that I'm sure they're all great too, Yes, they are. but you know, I, um, I think when people get to the end of life, there's always regrets that we could have done more or should have done more. I hear that so often with people that are passing or have passed. Um, I would say your mom knew that she was a good mom. She's probably very humble, um, but when she sees, you know, how her girls turned out, um, how her, all her kids turned out, you know, that she did live a good life. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. She, uh, she always told us at least once a week how proud of us she was. Like, I, I, re I remember hearing that my whole entire life. Like, I am so proud of you. Like, even if I'd say, oh, I had such a good day at work today and this happened and this customer was really happy and she'd be like, oh, I'm so proud of you. And it was, that was just something she threw around so easily. And, um, it's, oh, yeah, that's, that's a tough conversation for me right now, I guess. Yeah, sometimes we have a hard time um, hearing or seeing what others see in us, you know, and yeah. um, it's, you probably know these things and um, it's just through her loss, it's sometimes we lose um, sight of our own value. Yeah. And it's not that, that our value has changed, it's just that we lose sight of it because 
we don't have those constant reminders anymore. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, so I got a raise at work um, in September, and I was just so happy and I was so excited that I picked up my phone and I hit Mama on my phone, and of course her phone has been disconnected. Um, so when it, when it, all of a sudden it, it hit me when I heard that, and it was like. Oh no. I can't even tell my mom about this. Mm. What what's gonna what whoa 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 like but now my good my good feeling just went down downhill and it was she would be so proud of me and she doesn't even know and but you know and then people are saying, Well she knows, she knows and it's like but how do we know? No, like <laughs> it's really like there's a lot of times that I'm like, oh, I know she's with me. I can, I, I feel her presence. I can, I can feel it. Like when I'm having a really, really tough day and I can't get myself out of bed, all of a sudden it's just like that feeling is absolutely gone. And it's like, get out of bed now, get out of bed. Like I can hear it in my head so firmly that I will jump right out of bed. And it's like, that was my mom. I know it was. Mm. and yeah so like I, I know that she she knows but it's still at the same time there's a lot of things that I question about it and I hate that I do that because I'm I'm a huge overthinker and um, it has put me in a lot of mindsets that I don't want to be in and that like I where I'm questioning everything and I don't I don't want to do that I don't want to question everything I just I would I want to be able to just go with the flow and Mm-hmm. and make make it like like it should bring me peace most of the time but it's just like well what if she what if she can't know or what if she like what if she isn't around what if it's just me in my head and I do that so often that it absolutely drives me up the wall like I annoy myself <laughs> mm. you know you you mentioned uh a couple of times in this conversation about you know dialing your mom up or wanting to call her and uh, I, I know that it sounds like that you're at least familiar with country music just because of your father. Yep. If not, are, are you a fan? Yeah. Are you a fan of? Yep. Okay. So there's a song by uh, Cole Swindle, Dad's Old Number. And every time I hear that song, I get choked up. And like I stated, you know, I, I still have my dad. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the lyrics is, you know, I'm sorry, ma'am, don't hang up. Um, I'm not selling anything. I, I forget the exact lyrics, but, um, he's, he's just like, I was down on my luck, having some trouble with my truck or something like that. Yeah. And, and the man that used to pick up this phone could fix anything, you yeah. know? And, and it's just, uh, basically talking about, you know, this is dad's old number and, you know, you're talking about your mom's number being disconnected. Yeah. Um, I don't know when that feeling goes away. You know, I, I lost one of my best friends, um, 12 years ago. And for the longest time, I I always got this thought, Hey, give Chad a call. And it's like, Chad's not going to pick up, you know, and it's, it's hard. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I wish I had more advice on that. Just the, the phone piece. I know it's so hard because you want to share, you know, those good times with her still. Yeah. 
Well, I, I've really appreciated our conversation. Um, I will say you're my first international guest, so <laughs> congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> I, I hate that we, we meet this way yeah. um, and for these reasons, but it, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Yes, you too. And uh, I just want to you know, offer the floor to you to say anything, whether it's, you know, about your mom grieving or life, what, what, however you want to close us out, I will, I will let you do so. Any thoughts? Um, my, my biggest thing I would want to say to somebody who's going through something like this is take the time that you need for yourself. Um, say no when you're uncomfortable. If you don't feel like getting out of bed, stay in bed. It is okay. That is normal. You, this is a normal feeling. Even there's some days I still question if it's normal or if I am slipping into a depression or what, whatever. But whoever, whenever I talk to people about things like that, they're like, yes, this, that's a, that's a part of grieving. It is 100% normal and give yourself a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think you've got to, got to give yourself a break and, um, you know, it is part of the normal grieving process, you know, and of course, you know, I'll, I'll throw out a plug for my field. You know, if, if you ever feel like, um, this isn't normal, certainly speaking to, you know, a counselor, a therapist, um, I'm always grateful when people reach out for, for those purposes. Um, and, and I love walking people through, through those things. And of course there's always, uh, grief groups, you know, online grief groups out and about in the real world. Um, just research those things. I, I think people will find that, yeah, what I'm going through is normal. Um, and, and normal's a highly subjective term anyway, yeah, right? Absolutely. It's, you know, what's normal for you um, may be completely different from me. Yeah. And, um, but anyway, uh, Jamie, it's been a real pleasure. And again, if if you've connected with Jamie today, I'll, I'll have her email in the show description. Uh, Jamie, thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, I, I just hope you take care in the holidays and and learn to smile again, yeah. even, even over different things, right? Yeah. Yes, thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much. And, and thanks for joining us again here on the Grief Observed podcast. Um, I, I hope you've been blessed. 